0: Feels a little bit like I'm recording for the BBC today because you can hear the sound of the pebbles underneath my feet. And we've come out for a day, and it's four months since we've done something like this. We've come out to Sutherland Point, which is in Lancashire. It's a little bit beyond Lancaster, I guess, only about an hour's drive away from where we are in Carlisle. But it is the first time we've done a trip like this for wow, it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I've come down with my wife, and we've picked a day. That is a nice day, (laughs) because it's uh, not very good at the weekend, and it wasn't very good yesterday either. And uh, Sunderland Point is probably one of the key locations in the book that I've just written. And i just finished writing it yesterday, and it went off to Julie Cordner for an edit yesterday. Oh, sorry, I finished doing my edits of it yesterday, I should say. I didn't finish writing it. finished writing it a little bit earlier in the week. So that is the first 70, how many words is it? 75,500 word book, I think. And it's called, trust me once, and it's the first part of the second Morecambe Bay trilogy. And what I've worked out from the feedback that I've had on my books is that the readers love the sense of location in those books, particularly the Morecambe books where it's really, really strong. And so when I was thinking about new locations for this book, I used this place called Sunderland Point. And we used to live in Lancaster. I remember this of old, but I haven't been here Uh, for years and and as I've written the book and I had to do all my research using google maps and from memory and and now I'm here right now it's just a superb location for the thriller we've just driven along the causeway so Southern Point is right at the end of a peninsula is it forgive me if I get all my geographical terms wrong but it's a bit that sticks out in the sea and it gets uh, cut off by the tides and you reach it by a causeway and there are pictures at either end of that causeway of vans and cars that have got stuck in the seawater. You really can get sort of strand, stranded and you, you, your vehicle can get carried away by the tides. And this whole community gets cut off by the tides. And it's just a, a row of houses that goes along, well, what looks like a sort of mud flat kind of beach area. And the water's very low at the moment, but it, as all tidal areas, it comes in fast and it's very, very dangerous. And I've used this as one of the key locations in this next trilogy that I'm writing. And as as you guessed, (laughs) the tides, again, caught by the sea, plays a very big part of it. But then I'm I'm right next to the boat here, just a small boat. But I I have a character called Jed who they meet on this beach, who my characters meet on this beach. And he's working on his boat. And, you know, people who live here have tractors so they can tow the boats around, um, you know, when they're not buoyed by the sea there are loads of boats around here of different sizes I mean they're not huge boats they are just got, you know small kind of rowing boats or fishing boats they're not huge boats at all but I mean just at a rough count right around me now there must be about 20 of them within my vision they're all at rest at the moment on the mud flats I'm surrounded by seaweed and you can hear the stones as I'm walking about here there's a length of rope Um, sort of anchoring down one of those boats because when the water comes in they'll all rise of course Um, it's very difficult to imagine the water right now with it it out at sea my wife is uh, much better at photography than me so she's taking loads of pictures for me and we're just about to go uh, further along through the community And there's a pillbox, an old World War II pillbox that I want to investigate here. And I knew there was one around here. I did manage to pinpoint it on the map. It's quite crucial where this pillbox is um, in in the book. And whilst the book fairly freely moves in and out of fiction and non-fiction, you know, that obviously I want it anchored in the reality of this place. Obviously, sometimes I have to just, you know, add a little bit of fiction. I was very happy when we drove in here because I also have a lot of scenes set in wind turbines and um, you can see it let's have a look where is it on the horizon you can, pr- yeah, you can see the nuclear power station down here from where I am and also between Sunderland Point of the nuclear power station I can see a wind farm now I didn't know that wind farm was there but in my story, I need a wind farm in this area because that's kind of the crux. And I, I came up with what was essentially a fictional one. And as I've been driving in, I said to my wife, that's perfect. That's the wind farm. And There's the farmhouse that, that is involved in, in the kind of the land deals and all the nonsense that's going on in this story. So it's actually better than I, I could have wished for. It's absolutely fantastic. So it's way better than I remember it. And as I was driving along that causeway, I was thinking, oh, what a beautiful location for a book and um, that causeway kind of brings the, the crescendo of book one and then we tend to move well actually there's going to be another scene um at the end of book two which is going to involve a very exciting uh, jet ski chase <laughs> that's going to happen around this this bit of the coastline as well and take and, and it's going to take the main character right out to sea on a jet ski and then in the last scene of the last book the kind of the the final scenes will take place in in the at the top of one of those wind turbines, so all this has done has helped to secure and confirm the location for me and you know just fix in my mind what a great place this is because. As I say, with the first three Morecambe Bay Trilogies, I've got a really strong response to people saying, oh, I know that area. I used to visit that area when I was a kid. I can imagine all these places. I know them well. And, and it's brought back, you know, the Morecambe of the 1980s when it was a much more bustling resort. And readers seem to really appreciate that. And I, I just feel like I've hit a rich seam almost by accident because I think I always said to you when I was writing books, I, I don't write a lot of description, um, you know, setting... I didn't think setting was important to me, but actually we were going through my books when we were in the car on the way down, so actually setting really is important for me. Uh, I, I, I don't do a lot of description, but I do use setting as, as, as part of the character and the flavour of the book. It's a strong character in the book, my setting, but you won't get a load of flowery description from me. Um, you know, the setting very much is a character. It's something that they have to fight against or work with. Um, you know, it creates problems. Uh, for characters. So no, this is absolutely fantastic. I'm so pleased that I chose this location. I'll stop recording here and we'll walk further in and I'll record another bit when we find this pillbox. I'm now uh, going to walk up the bank. We might catch a little bit of wind here I'll try and show. You. This obviously being near the sea bank to a field which is bordered by barbed wire, can you hear the cow? Maybe not, not making enough noise. And up here is a pillbox which I use in the book and I was delighted to find this when I was doing research for the area and obviously I couldn't travel at the time when I was researching the book. I knew there was a pillbox around here somewhere and I really wanted to use it in the story and I used Google Maps and research and managed to pinpoint pretty well where it was. But the joy of coming out to actually check your locations like this is you can get the detail that you don't get from Google Maps. Now, to get to this pillbox, I've had to walk down, it looked like a track on Google Maps, but it's actually a very narrow mud path. You call it a lane or a footpath, really, not a track. And to get to this pillbox, if I fall, excuse me, I've got to go up a mud bank here. There is a sort of fairly battered barbed wire fence which you could creep through if you were in a book. Indeed, my characters will do that. And here is the pillbox, which is made of or built of red brick and concrete. The cows here are very inquisitive. It's a little dilapidated now. You can see one of the walls, or part of the walls, have, has fallen off into the field. But it's of, of sort of brick and concrete construction it will sink below the ground as pillboxes did we used to have a pillbox in the village that I lived in as a kid so I'm familiar with these, how they sink below the ground but that's a great location essentially in my book somebody's going to hide there overnight and another person is going to find evidence that they were hiding there in this pillbox but I think this is the joy of coming out to the locations if you can to research them because you get a much better sense of place so for instance, it's only a line but the characters need to, to scurry up this bank. It's not the easiest thing to do. If you had high heels on, you wouldn't be able to do it very easily. And to get to the pillbox, you need to actually just duck under the barbed wire, which is no problem at all. It's, it's not a problem. Even I could do that without too much indignity, I think, because it is one of these fairly threadbare fences. The other thing that I think is quite startling as I walk down the bank now, back to the path, is the extensive area of mud flats. it's just It's got a green... Grass—it's covered in, in, in grass, so it's, it's really green out there. But obviously, it's got all the, the water channels in as well, and we've got this kind of marsh grass here too. And you get a real sense that the—you know—the tide will come in here, and this will be really quite wet uh, when the tide comes in. The other thing that's fascinating about this view is that the nuclear power station is just to my right. And right as I'm speaking to you now, he should port, which actually figures really highly in book three. I can see the Isle of Man steam packet just coming in now to dock right as I'm recording this. So it's beautiful timing as far as that's concerned. Now that's a trip that when we were researching, uh, truth be told, when we came down to look at the port area here, which was can't even remember when it was now. It must have been the beginning of the year, I guess. I've lost all sense of time this year. I remember my wife and I saying, oh, that looks fantastic. Excuse my phone, making noises. I said to my wife, that looks fantastic. Um, we ought to go on the Isle of steep packet at some time. Well, that's a lifetime ago, as you know. And I don't think we'll be doing that any time soon, but it does remain on the list of things to do. Okay, so that's the pillbox. There's one more location that I really want to get a close look at while I'm doing my location visits here. And by the way, my wife will be taking all the fo- photos here as well because this is just all gathering material uh, for my books, for the promotion of my books, the build-up of my books, for social media content and things like that. She- she's taking loads of photos, just recording the whole thing. And one of the ideas I have had, by the way, with these books, was trying to think, I'm not getting enough sign-ups in the books. I'm not getting enough people registering for email. One of the ideas I had the other day was a photo album of the books, of the location. So my main character is called Charlotte. And effectively, I've worked out I could do this on Canva. You can get these templates that create that scrapbook look and you can put photographs in. And um, I'm gonna try getting more sign-ups by having Charlotte's scrapbook showing the key locations of the books, which is another one of the reasons why we've come down here today. I should say that it's an absolutely beautiful day. We picked exactly the right day to do this. We're gonna head off to some stone graves shortly. I'll join you again there and talk to you about what we can see there. We've moved up the coast now to St. Patrick's Chapel, which is at Heesham Village, and to the stone graves which uh, overlook the sea. And just to mention, if the last audio segment was a little bit windy, apologies for that, it's just one of the curses of being by the sea. But as part of my experimentation for this podcast, I'm quite keen today to record some audio on location and to post it on location without any kind of Uh, editing just using the app on the phone this is really one of the things I'm keen to do so forgive me if there is uh, a lot of wind sound uh, on that particular last bit of audio it's a little bit stiller here and at the chapel here we've come down from six stone graves and one of the things that I was keen to ascertain at the graves was (laughs) whether you could fit a real life body in there and uh, The truth is, you you can, in the third one along, there's plenty of room there to put someone in there if you murdered them, which is what I want in my next book. And also, interestingly, because those stone graves are, effectively, they're human shapes, almost, or casket shapes carved into a great lump of stone, solid stone, uh, overlooking the sea. really dramatic location, great place to, to put a body, of course. And um, I have to be careful because there are people walking around this graveyard. And you have to be careful what you're talking about. You have the police after me. Um, but um, the other thing that struck me about that location was that three of the graves next to the, the larger one were full of water, rain water. And I said to my wife, right, I know how that person's dying. They're getting drowned in the graves at the side and then the body's getting turfed into the larger stone grave so again i think the point i'm making today is that uh, number one it's great fun coming out researching your books and looking at the locations you you can turn this into a bit of a hobby in many respects and indeed that's how i'm treating it we've had some great days out looking at the locations in my books Uh, but also i do think it informs your writing a lot smelling the air uh, looking at the ground looking at the surroundings getting the view a sense of the wildlife around. I didn't realize how many butterflies there would be at Sunderland Point, for instance. Loads of butterflies. I haven't seen as many as that all year. And also, um, you know, the, the stillness out here and really quite how dramatic it is because those stone graves overlook a cove down below. It's almost like Ross dark country. It's quite dramatic out here. And it was John Cronshaw who mentioned to me that these graves were out here. I said I'd been at uh, a cafe, which is further along the cliff top. There, I'd been there last time we came researching Vahitian port found a lovely cafe there which is called the Ocean, uh, not Ocean Edge Cafe, what's it called? Half Moon Bay Cafe and John had said did you know if you walk along there you know there's some graves and a chapel and that's where we are today checking that out so it's been a fabulous day and beautiful weather I'm so pleased we came out today and in terms of lockdown I just said to my wife last night you know I'm not bored I've got plenty to do but I'm really craving some variety, some activity, something different other than running every morning, writing, playing Scrabble, watching Netflix. You know, we've had this limited palette of things that we've been doing for four months. and I'm really, really sort of desperate, ready to get out and and, and do some other things. And it's been completely um, safe today. The motorway service stations are all open. You can use the loos there. You know, they're not crowded. Um, you know we've got masks and wipes and sanitizer with us. We brought our own sandwiches and, and water, so we've been pretty well self-contained today. Walking along the cliff top edge, we're in fields. There's loads of space, so this feels like a really good thing to do, a productive thing to do. And I have to tell you, you know, I really needed a day out like this today. Just beautiful and lovely to be experiencing some activity. So after this, we are going to walk along the cliff, cliff tops. We're going to go back to the car. And then we'll start to head home but i'm going to call in on lancaster university on the way back because i also have some scenes set there i'd like to get some specific photos of the things that i'm talking about in the book we might as well while we're down here and then we'll head back up to carlisle so i hope you've enjoyed this insert i think the message of the day is it never hurts to go and look at your book locations to scout them to get a sense of them because i think it informs your writing i pleased to say that the writing I've done has got it pretty well right but when I get that last edit back from Julie I might just insert an extra sentence here and there just to give a firmer sense of place. Okay, that's it for now. That'll probably be it between now and the next proper audio diary, the first of ten, but you never know. I may just squeeze in a surprise one if I'm caught by some motivation. Have a great week of writing. I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. As a self-published author, you're already generating an income from creating and selling digital products, but did you know you could develop those skills and expand your digital empire using just a handful of simple techniques? Before I started self-publishing, I made my living creating and selling digital products, clocking up several six-figure launches in that time. In my book, How to Create and Sell Digital Products, which is available in ebook and paperback formats and listed wide, I share all the secrets behind creating a second sustainable income source helping you to avoid all the pitfalls along the way. If you'd like to find out how to make money from membership products, training materials and coaching sites, just head for bookstoread.com forward slash products and get started today.